a lot of people are kind of scared for their lives. Like, oh, I hope failure doesn't happen. Well, it's coming. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's coming millions of times, you know. So if you have the mindset of what am I going to do when failure happens, that completely shifts the way that you're envisioning your goals. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. It's Ashley. And today on the podcast, we are going to get into a topic that is highly individualized in its meaning, which makes it all the more worth discussing. And that is self-discipline. So here we go. I am joined by author and freelance writer Zach Matthews, who recently released his first book, Climbing Your Self-Discipline Tree. And he is here with me today to share a bit of his own journey and take us through some exercises that really could help us in our own climb, especially in this digital age. So with that, Zach, welcome and thank you so much for being here. Hey, Ashley, thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure. For sure. Yeah, you and I actually were introduced by a mutual friend through the Buccaneers. You know, we both spent time working with the organization, you know, during different seasons, right? But nonetheless, super awesome to just have that in common and be able to connect and have some conversation, you know, around career and passion projects and purpose, you know, all that good stuff. And you know that my heart behind this podcast is really just sharing stories, you know, around internal endurance and the things that build within us in the process of our pursuits that I believe really make all the difference. So I'm glad that we could hop on here and talk about something that's really so key in the process of it all. And that is self-discipline. So you just published, yep, you just published your first book all about it. So looking forward, you know, to hearing your perspective and before anything, I just want to first congratulate you. It's amazing, you know, to go after something that you really feel led to do. And that's where I actually want to kick off this conversation because it doesn't just happen overnight. So if you could just tell us a bit about your background, take us through the process of how this all kind of came to fruition and also just taking a step, you know, in faith to pursue writing full time. Yeah, uh, definitely. So um, I'll go back a little bit to my time. You touched on my, my time with the Bucks there. That's, that's about the time when all this started. Um, I feel like, you know, when, when I was working with the Bucks, there was, you know, I enjoyed every second of it. And I mean, you know, the people we worked with in the Sarasota office, they're the salt of the earth, like still having great relationships with those guys. So, you know, I, I loved every second of it, but you know, there came a time where I was just at this kind of crossroads in my career, you know, I could either pursue a management position in sports sales, or I could make the transition to something else. Ultimately, you know, after a lot of prayer and, and just thinking about it and kind of something I knew all along, um, I decided ticket sales wasn't my ultimate long-term goal. Um, so I pursued my passion for writing, which was something that I was always wanting to do. I, I always wanted to write a book. So I started a side hustle as a, as a content writer while I was still working with the Bucks and just kind of wanted to find my voice as, as a writer and see what was out there, you know, see if I could get any clients that were interested in me writing for them. And it actually, it came to a point where I could make the jump to full time, but was still like, I mean, you know, this, like you just, you get in one career path and you're just really scared to make that leap of faith. Right. So 
I mean, fast forward, you know, a couple months down the line, me and my wife, this was like the main topic of conversation for months, you know, could I make this a full-time gig? Should I, is it smart? You know, all this, all this stuff. And you just praying about it and, and reading the word and seeing what it had to say for me. And it's funny because, you know, I just kept praying, God, give me a sign, give me a sign, give me clarity, you know, help, help me to make this happen, you know? And then one day I go to church and uh, our pastor, uh, Pastor Aaron at Radiant Church, shout out to Radiant Church. They, uh, he was talking about, you know, prayer mixed with action. And he had this awesome example. I'll never forget it. Um, there was this pastor friend of his and uh, the pastor and his wife, they had been trying to have kids for years, I want to say. And just it, for whatever reason, it hadn't happened yet. So they decided, you know, we've been praying for this child all this time, but, you know, how are we going to, you know, how are we taking action in that? Like, how are we acting on that and controlling what we can control and letting God, leaving the rest up to God? And so they ultimately decided, you know what, we're going to, we're going to build this nursery the way we want it, you know? So they painted the walls, they built the crib, they bought all the stuff that you need for a newborn baby, which, you know, I have a one-year-old, so I know how much money that costs. And um, ultimately they built this nursery. And then I want to say a few weeks, few months later, she got pregnant and they had their first baby. So, wow. yeah, I mean, I, that was, you know, I felt God talk to me a couple of times in my life, but that was like direct. That was like, Zach, you need to take action on this. Um, you've been praying for this, but you're not acting. So right after that, that service, my wife, Bree and I were just kind of talking about, you know, I was like, I feel like that sermon was really directed at me. And she was like, well, it's funny you say that because I was feeling the same way. And um, she made, you know, a little, a little comment. She's like, if you were ever going to do this, now would be the time because, you know, we don't have a, a, a child yet. You know, um, if you're ever going to make this kind of move, this would be the time to do so. So the very next day, I mean, you know, we prayed about it right then and there. And then the very next day I put in my two weeks with the bucks and, you know, that was two years ago now, which is crazy, but you know, I became a full-time writer and this is kind of where the leap, you know, that was one leap of faith, but the bigger leap of faith kind of comes from like going from full-time writer to author because you just, I mean, a, a lot, I feel like a lot of people that want to write a book struggle with this, you know, they think like, you know, I got to become an expert in this field before I can write a book. No one will listen to me, you know, like who am I to write this book? But I would challenge you on that. Like, if you feel God calling you to write the book and you have a passion for it, you know, what, what is, you know, waiting for it to happen. And that, that was ultimately the, the crossroads that I came upon. So, you know, I, I had this passion for writing a book about self-discipline, you know, I, I wanted to make it happen and, and I, I wanted to become an author one day. And I just had this tug from God to make it, make it happen more or less. Yeah. That's, that's so awesome. Honestly, how that all came together. And I think too, sometimes it doesn't make sense, right? Where it's like, you start to question certain things, but at the same time, you also had this peace from God that in a way it's like, it does make sense because I have that peace. And when you have that peace, you can move forward in confidence and trust in him that, you know, you're, you're walking in obedience. And I think ultimately that's, that's the goal here, right? It's like, it's, it's walking in obedience to him. And so I think it's super cool that you did that. And really just kind of surrendering in a way, right? Just we, and we can do that in him, all of our doubts and everything it is that we have, we can just give it to him. And he's like, all right, like you're going to, you're going to walk in this faith. And 
you know, and, and for you now, it's like, you can think back during that time. And now you're sitting here and, and you've published your, your first book, which is amazing. Again, congratulations on that. Yeah, 100%. So we would love to hear a little bit more about just your inspiration behind writing a, a book on self-discipline. Yeah. Um, so one thing, you know, like I said, I always wanted, wanted to write a book and, and a book that would help people. And, um, you know, I wasn't really sure what that looks like. But then I was funny enough, I was actually listening to a podcast and, um, you know, this, this guy, Jonathan Milligan was saying, you know, think back, if you're having trouble thinking about a topic that you could help people with, think back to your life and think of, you know, these like defining moments that you've had and what, what makes you different about how you approach that situation. So I was thinking of a couple of different scenarios in my life, you know, one was, you know, when I was coming out of, you know, I, I wanted to play college lacrosse and admittedly my high school grades were not all that spectacular. So had to go to community college, but, you know, really had to like sell myself in, in a way of, of just reaching out to coaches my way rather than them coming to me and, and just, you know, the self-discipline that that took. And, and then, you know, when I wanted to start my, my sports career in my senior year of college, you know, it was, I didn't have any connections. Like, you know, my, my school, they didn't have anybody in the sports industry for me to reach out to a lot of these college programs do, you know, um, mine didn't. So it was on me to, to do that myself and um, ended up, I think I wrote it down. I th think I ended up, um, I mentioned in the book, I applied for like 200 jobs in the sports industry. Um, you know, just, to, I mean, you know how grinding it can be to get a job in the sports industry. So, and, and that, that just takes self-discipline too. So long story short, you know, I was just, I noticed the the, the traits and, and how, how self-discipline helped me kind of propel for sure, depending on God, you know, but taking action and uh, having this belief, you know, Philippians 4.13, my favorite verse, verse in the Bible says, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And to me, you know, that, that says, yeah, I mean, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, but you still got to take action. Like it doesn't say I can do all things through Christ who push, pushes me, you know, mm -hmm. um, you got to take action. And so, I ended up just kind of wanting to learn more about, you know, I, I knew my method of self-discipline, but I wanted to see how other people did it because I would, I figured my self-discipline, you know, was a little more, I'll say flexible um, than what you might think. You know, a lot of people think of self-discipline and they think, well, you got to be a drill sergeant to your own life. And that, that's just not the case. That's not practical. You're, you're not going to stick with it. So anyways, I, I sent out what I call the self-discipline survey to 100 people in my network, my professional network that I thought really exemplified like, you know, a, a self-disciplined person who was successful and established in their career, but still prioritized work-life balance, not just, you know, getting to the top of the corporate ladder. I ended up getting responses from 50 of them. And uh, so I just read those like crazy, put, put some notes in and started to notice like several key traits, which became the chapters from my book. And the, I mean, the book pretty much wrote itself. I know that's so cliche, but like the book did write itself once I had that framework and just kind of used all this knowledge from this, you know, group of 50 successful people. And then that, that's what ultimately became the book. That's so cool. So it's almost like you, you kind of have your own version, right, of self-discipline and kind of going to back to the beginning of beginning of the conversation, right? It's kind of saying how it is something that's really highly individualized for each person. I think it's super cool how you sent out that survey, right, to just get different perspectives from different people and, and kind of how they do it, because really just we just learn from each other in ways like, all right, I'm going to pick that up or I'm going to try this or I'm going to try that. 
right. and yeah. see, yeah. And see, you know, how it works for you in that way. Because for me, the way I see self-discipline is it's like a bridge, right? It's like, this is where I am right now. And the bridge is, is self-discipline to, yeah. to, yeah. to, as I'm going toward my vision. And it's like, what's on that bridge, right? You know, it's the practices, it's the rhythms, it's, and that goes all across the board, physically, spiritually, you know, in relationship, what are we doing? All of those things matter. And that's the difference, right? Like that's a difference maker from where we are to, to our vision there. And so, so take us through a little bit of the subject matter in the book from what it is that you kind of compiled from everybody. Give us a little bit of an overview of what, you know, readers could expect there. Yeah. So basically there's, there's three key phases of self-discipline. And I mean, you worded it perfectly, you know, you used a bridge as an analogy. I, I use a tree as my teaching model slash analogy in the book. Um, but I, I always say, you know, self-discipline, you know, if point A is you envisioning your goals and point B is you accomplishing them, then self-discipline is that entire process between. I mean, you know, it makes or break whether or not you're going to actually achieve the goal you set out to. So with that, you know, there was three key phases that I kind of noticed with, with the survey notes and how I had kind of modeled my self-discipline. So those three phases are preparation, productivity, production, and then persistence. And so, you know, it's all about preparing your goals. So envisioning the goals you want to accomplish, how they align with your passions, setting those goals, organizing them, prioritizing them, and then cutting out all the distractions. So that's, that's the preparation phase. The second phase, production, it consists of, you know, the balance between exercise and nutrition and how those, how big a role those actually play in self-discipline, just your everyday habits, you know, and whether or not you're going to accomplish any goal, whatever, whatever it is. So we got exercise, nutrition, we got uh, execution and then, yeah, and, and just producing on those goals. And then the last phase, uh, the persistence phase is all about persevering through failure when, not if it happens, right? A lot of people are kind of scared for their lives. Like, oh, I hope failure doesn't happen. Well, yeah, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's coming millions of times, you know? And so if you have the mindset of what am I going to do when failure happens, that completely shifts the way that you're envisioning your goals. And, you know, I, I would argue it increases the chances that you're going to accomplish what you set out to. For sure. That all makes a big difference, really. Preparation, production, persistence. Of course, I love persistence because it's like endurance, right? And to yep. me, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's keeping going. Those moments that, you know, you want to stop or, or things are kind of getting in your way, those obstacles. It's like, no, we have it within us to keep going. And again, accountability is huge in that. It's, it's those little things too. You go back to the habits, you go back to, you know, what are we doing every day? And another thing too, that really just stands out to me in this, as you were talking is something that I, I struggle with. I don't think I'm alone in it for sure, but I struggle with it. And, um, that's just the distractions. There's so much influence everywhere, right? I always go back to this. I'm like, there's so much influence everywhere, but we have the power to choose what we consume. Right. So I'm like, come on, I got the power. Like this is my, this is my choice. Although right. it's so easy to get distracted. Yeah. And, it doesn't um, seem like you have the power sometimes, does it? I mean, <laughs> sometimes it doesn't. You're like, this is literally my choice. Right. I like, come on. Like, I know I have the power. But... My time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what can happen. Right. right. And so and one of the biggest things, and you touch on this in your book is social media. And that's something that I think it's become a little bit of like a, 
you know, it's almost cliche in a way of like, oh, it's a blessing and a curse. I hate it. I love it. Like all these things. But it's so true. It's like, it's so true though, because at the end of the day, if we can look at it and say, okay, it's just neutral, right? Like it's a tool. It's not good or bad, but it's how we manage it. It's how we use it. Then like, that's really taking control of it. It's something I struggle with still. And I only have Instagram. And I still go back and forth with it. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be on here. Other times I'm like, no, it's great. Like, this is it. Right. Yeah. So let's go there. Let's go to uh, let's yeah. go to the topic of social media. You touch on this in the book. You talk about a couple exercises that we could practice to become less distracted. So take us there. Yeah, and and I want to just piggyback off what you just said about you know social media being neutral. That's that's absolutely the case. And social media in itself, it's actually a beautiful concept. Like, you know, it, it allows us to connect with, you know, you know, I'm, I'm from St. Louis originally. I have a lot of childhood friends that still live back there. So social media allows me to like stay in connection with them when otherwise, you know, I would have lost track with them years ago. Right. For sure. Um, it's a beautiful concept, but it can take control of our lives. And for a lot of us, it does. Like we find ourselves you know, just opening the app out of, out of habit and scrolling endlessly, right? It's kind of addicting in that way. And so I kind of noticed the need to kind of cleanse it from my life, you know, especially when I was in the season of like writing the book, I had no room and I'm not kidding you. I had no room for error. I had no time for social media or any other time wasting app. That's, that's the phrase I use in my book. I don't just attack social media. I attack any time-wasting app, you know, that includes, uh, video, uh, you know, like game, the phone games were a big problem of mine for a long time. Uh, you know, YouTube is a form of social media, although most people don't think it is, you know, I could go on and on, but there were two exercises that I kind of came up with and I tried them on myself. So I, I, I was my own guinea pig, uh, when I came up with these, um, the zero notification exercise, and then the purge and reassess exercise. And both those titles are pretty self-explanatory, but I'll dive into them a little bit. So um, the zero notification exercise is where I'd, I'd recommend everybody start. And like the title kind of ex- implies, just to, to perform that exercise, you, you just need to open up your smartphone, go to the settings app on your phone, and then just turn off all push notifications to the apps you would consider like time wasting, you know, within reason, like don't turn off no- notifications to like your bank account or something like that. Right. But like any notification, I don't want you to blame me for like missing out on paying your bills. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, I thought uh, this was a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Zach told me that I, yeah. So, but yeah, just turn off all push notifications to those apps that you consider like time wasters or you find yourself just kind of like going to out of habit. And believe me, we all do it. And just see, just kind of give yourself a few weeks to see how that pans out for you. Right. I, I guarantee you, you're going to, you're going to find yourself being a lot more productive, you know, it just helps you stay on track, whether it's for your job, you know, hanging out with your son or daughter, you know, hanging out with your spouse, whatever it may be. Um, you're just able to focus more on it when you don't hear that constant like ding, you know, that you're getting a notification, which, you know, I mean, it's a habit for us to, once we hear that ding, it's almost like Pavlov's dog. Like we, we have to check the phone, right? There's, there's something in our brain that's telling us like, I have to see what that is. What if it's, you know, an emergency, which it never is, but <laughs> Um, but yeah, and then once, you know, if you don't find like the zero notification exercise working, then the purge and reassess exercise is, is a little more, um, 
extreme, I'll say. And, and just to do that, you, you just need to start things off by deleting all your extracurricular apps, like, you know, social media. I, I, I mentioned phone games earlier, you know, YouTube, whatever it may be, you know, whatever you're finding is distracting your time. You know, I even had to delete the Robinhood app, which I don't know if you know what that is, but that's like a stock trading yeah. app. Yeah. <laughs> I deleted that because I was checking that a thousand times a day. So delete all those extracurricular apps. And um, after you delete them, give yourself about a week without any of them and then re-download one at a time, right? So, but re-down the ones that you don't think are the time-wasting app for you. And if you notice your production is starting to decline, it's probably because of that app, right? So then that tells you what you have to delete the app. Like you can't, you know, that app is cutting into your life. It's cutting into your, your, you were trying to achieve your goals. It's cutting into your family time, which a lot of us don't get much time anyways. You know, it's cutting into your work, all that stuff. I'll, I'll give, I'll give an example for myself. So I had to use the purge and reassess exercise. I figured that social media was the big killer for me. So I, I deleted all the apps and, you know, that meant, that meant sports apps, you know, I've listed them all already, social media, all that. And I started re-downloading them, you know, one every week, right? Um, social media came back and I, my production was still really high, which I was surprised by. And then uh, one week, my production started to plummet, just down through the floor, plummet. And I mean, can you make any guess as to what the app was that I re-downloaded um i'm gonna say i don't know maybe sports <laughs> Bingo. yep yep it was, it was bleacher report it okay was, that makes sense it was, yeah <laughs> it was sports news app for those of you that don't know what that is and that was eye-opening right i mean i would not have realized that sad to say without performing the purge and reassess exercise so i encourage your listeners i mean if you guys really find it hard to you know not be distracted by your phone Try, try one of these exercises. I mean, I, I promise they'll work, you know, and, and you'll be all the better for it. Yeah. As you're kind of explaining it, I think about just creates this awareness, right? Which you, you start, you start to kind of think about things more, right. And consider, well, maybe if I tried this, if I tried this, maybe that could help. And again, it makes it my choice. Like I still struggle with it, but it makes it my choice. If I tap on my phone, like, okay, am I going to send a message to somebody or whatever? But it is, it's so real. The struggle is real. So these are great. So these are great, uh, great pointers here and something that, you know, that we can all try even gets, even just getting those notifications about our screen time. That's always eye opening for me. It is. It is. You feel so good about yourself when it tells you your, your screen time is down. It's down, right? It's like, it's down. (laughs) Even if it's down 2%, it's down 2%. I'll take that. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Thank you so much for sharing this and, and diving into that. And yeah, as you said too, a couple other things that the readers can find in your book, nutrition, exercise, all these things that, that matter and that play into it. What was something, or I guess my question would be as you were writing this, right? Was there something that really stood out to you? Any area that you were like, okay, this is something that I haven't really considered before. And, and now you feel like it's, it's kind of coming into a rhythm and practice in your own life. Yeah. I mean, the big takeaway for me is just the 
you had the you had your friend on uh, a few weeks ago who was the social worker and the yeah her, yeah Liz <laughs> yeah so uh, she'll be she'll be proud of me here if she listens um, you know your exercise and your nutrition plays such a psychological role in like the habits that you build mm-hmm. I mean it's it's crazy like the correlation between I don't, I don't know if you've ever read the book uh, The Power of Habit by Charles Dudig I have not did, that's a I highly recommend it it's uh it does he does such a great job of like explaining that nutrition and exercise are both what he calls, and I don't know if this is a technical psychological term, but he calls it a keystone habit. So what that is, is basically it's a habit that affects all other habits or has like a trickle down effect. So like if you're prioritizing nutrition, right. And and eating more whole foods, which is, you know, vegetables, uh, fruit, I mean, you know, legumes, seeds, all, all that good stuff. If you're prioritizing that and you're feeling this, this reward from accomplishing a goal, then that goes into other areas of your life. You know, that suddenly you wake up with more energy, you know, you find you're more diligent about, you know, the tasks that you have in your job, because it's kind of like you're, you're training your brain in a way to kind of, you know, develop habits for everything else, the same way that it, you're, you're attacking your nutrition, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to that because, you know, if you really look at the way you structure your day, it, I, I'm pretty sure it, you know, you'll find some correlations between how you prioritize your nutrition and how you prioritize like your, your tasks. Right. Yes. Um, so that was the biggest takeaway for me. I mean, it's, um, it's been such a cool, you know, understanding of that, you know, the only other takeaway, I guess, is people should really start prioritizing their nutrition a little more than their exercise. And believe me, like exercise is super important, but like, you know, if you're not, if you're not prioritizing your nutrition, and I think you would agree with me on this. I mean, you're, you're the expert in this. Um, you know, I've seen experts say it this way, you know, nutrition, you know, your well being is 80% your nutrition and 20% your exercise, you know, and, and they work perfectly together, but nutrition is of the utmost importance. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. No, I, it's true. Nutrition is so important. And I think it's something that where, you know, in in the fitness space, right. We often look at the aesthetics of everything and it's like, there's so much more. And while you can, can look fit, you can seemingly be fit all these things, but what we're consuming on the inside, what we're fueling our body with, that's what matters. Right. So yeah, it's like, of course you want to incorporate, you know, strength training, like, you know, running it. I'm 100% for it, Sure. but the nutrition is so, so key. And again, to your point, it's our energy levels that we don't realize, you know, maybe we're feeling a little, you know, sluggish or down or whatever. Well, let's think about what did we just eat? You know, what did, you know, let's go back a couple of days too. like, how are we fueling our body? It matters so much. And so, uh, yeah totally with you on that for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Good. I, I told everybody the right thing. In my book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 100%, 100%. All right. This has been awesome. Again, Zach, thank you so much for taking the time here. And uh, again, letting us in a little bit on your process, your journey, just some, you know, some content, you know, in your book that readers can find for those listening. If you're interested in learning more, checking out his book, it is available on Amazon. Correct, Zach? Correct. Yep. 
Awesome. Yep. So you guys can check it out on Amazon. I'll also include the link there in the notes here. So so also, if you want to connect with Zach as well, you can find him. Where can they find you? So uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. I'm just like you. I only have LinkedIn and I only have Instagram. So uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. It's uh, Zach Matthews, Z-A-C-H, and then Matthews with one T. One T. One T, guys. Don't forget the one T. Yeah. Um, they can also find me on Instagram at Zach Matthews Writing. And then my website, if they want to check out some, I actually have an article on what we talked about with, you know, the exercises for social media. So if they want to check that out, it's uh, ZachMatthewsWriting.com. One T. One, one T. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Zach. Thanks again for being here. Super fun to have this conversation. Appreciate all your insight. And again, you know, congratulations on the book. Put Thank that out so there for sure. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. It was a blast.